Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law. And remember, everyone, what's our mantra? Never again. Welcome to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 6, titled Just Jen, directed by Anu Valia. If you're joining us for the first time, this is our Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in a snap. Well, before we all get in a wedding fight, bah, 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 let me introduce you to the other Hulksters joining me today. First up, he's ready to dismiss the deliberation of the deposition given by the defendant of the defenders. He's Darcy, the dank devil Hudson. He seems like he'd be an incredible DJ. I, I want to go to one of his shows for sure. Dude, Ched, <laughs> what, what, what can Ched not do? You know what I mean? He's an entrepreneur. He's a DJ. He's a Hulk, man. He He's said it Hulk. himself. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> <laughs> and sitting on trial next to him, we have the tease who's actually here to please. He's Mitch ch 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 chettable George. I got theories. They multiplying. This is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> the I, I, the Mitch the Mitch Chettable George I think it's would you go by that with possible. your DJ name Yeah I'll, I'll take yeah, it Yeah Well welcome back uh, Mr. Mitch George to the Geek Centric Podcast um, Stoked to have you on Darcy Last uh, week I asked you and Megan you know what your Hulk name would be uh, This week from both of you lovely gentlemen I would love to know if you were to attend a wedding as a Hulk what would you wear uh, I'd rock a kilt. That's always my favorite uh, go-to dress-up attire because kilts are just so freeing and liberating. Plus, it comes with a little man purse. You get to hang right there, and all your stuff is right where you need it. I love it. I love a kilt. Darcy, Darcy, I think you might have put a little camera in the room watching me through a little creepy monitor like at the end of this episode because I, too, wrote down that I... <laughs> I, I, I no, I'll t- I, I was kind of going to say... I, Take uh, my Irish roots my, and go full traditional Irish kilt. Uh, and just because, yeah, the leg room as a Hulk would be really nice. You got big Hulk thighs, you know, you have the fresh air wafting between there. And I also feel like I feel like Luke Jacobson would be able to easily put that together for me because, like, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, with big Hulk lungs, I could even take up the bagpipes even. Oh. And, Right? For sure, for sure. Perform? No, I, I would still go to a traditional kilt kilt maker. I mean, I have two kilts myself already, so yeah. I'd want to have done the traditional way with Will from Scotland. I don't know if Luke James Jacobson would take it a different, more fashion esque route. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. But I think I'd be, I would be down for that. I would be down for that. <laughs> as long as it's stretchy, Mitch, it's just got to be stretchy. Mitch, what? About, it's got to be stretchy. <laughs> best friend, Hulk's best friend is stretch. What? Uh, what would you wear to a wedding? As a Hulk? Uh, not as interesting, but. It'd be the super suit, right? You got to be rocking that at all times. It's the iconic look. It's what people know you as. And then you're always Mm -hmm. ready to go. You're ready for those wedding fights, right? I guess as long as you have a reason to actually use one. I I know Jen never thinks that she'll ever have a reason to wear one. And this show keeps proving to us that maybe she never will. I don't know. We'll have to to Uh, wait and see. We got that tease last week. It's happening. (laughs) It's happening. (laughs) 
Well, it didn't happen this time. Uh, but listen, grab your drinks and put your suit on, uh, especially one that you might wear to a wedding or a kilt or, you know, your super suit, uh, because court is now in session with the Honorable Judge Nate presiding. This week, we open to see Jen has received a flowery package with her invitation to be a bridesmaid, complete with an overabundance of glitter. Quick thing, Mitch, you know, I, last time that we got to hang out in person i think was yep. at your wedding yep. um did did your did your partner do the whole glitter in the envelope thing for her bridesmaids or no glitter but she did do yeah. the traditional will you be a bridesmaid thing um okay, had, okay. Uh, a, as you saw a plethora of groomsmen and bridesmaids at the wedding so thankfully we yes. saved a bit on the budget when it came to glitter uh there was a, a yeah not as much <laughs> as uh yeah. as was seen here but uh no just as extravagant I was going to say, based on Lulu's wedding, it looked like the majority of the budget went to these <laughs> these invitation boxes. There was so much glitter and so much fanciness. I don't know. It's I mean, a nightmare California, in a box. It's expensive. Yeah. Nightmare oh, in a box. That, that glitter's going to stay forever. You're never going to clean up all that glitter. It's just impractical. So I'm, I'm happy to hear, Mitch, <laughs> that, you know, your, your partner's not as, uh, not as uh, frustrating as Lulu <laughs> was in this episode with all that. A bridezilla um, through and through. Lulu, yeah. not, not my partner. <laughs> right. <laughs> we then cut to see Nikki helping Jen as she exclaims that she wants to see the super suit that Luke made for her. Jen says she'll never wear it. Uh, and then Jen sh- quickly shifts the conversation by showing off the dress Luke made for her for the rehearsal dinner. And Nikki says she's going to look hot as shulky. Uh, in yet another fourth wall breaking moment, Jen then turns to the camera and explains that, yep, it's a self-contained wedding episode uh, at an inconvenient time in the season. She arrives at the rehearsal dinner uh, in her She-Hulk form, looking absolutely incredible, with a ton of attention and compliments from guests at the wedding at the rehearsal. Uh, the you know bride Lulu pulls her aside and asks her not to be all hulky at the wedding, and Jen promises to be just. Jen. So friends, what did you think of the opening for this episode and uh, Jen's excitement to go to this wedding as Shulky? When she breaks the fourth wall and says this will be a self-contained wedding episode, every Daredevil fan in the world shed a single tear. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Darcy, you and I literally like a few days ago, were talking to Justin because he was wondering if he wanted to be on this episode or not. And he's like, well, maybe I don't know if Darcy, if uh, Daredevil is going to be on the episode. And we were like, dude, a thousand percent Daredevil will be showing up in this episode. Was this the moment that you realized, Darcy, that we were wrong? Yes, and I was a bit upset, but then the episode delivered, and I was not upset by the end of it. So, you know, they're very smart when they do these fourth wall breaks. And again, it's just what I love about this show is the humor at poking fun at fans while still telling us a really cool story. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. We do get a moment like that later in the episode, and I'll talk about it when we get there. But this show just does such such a good job of subverting expectations while also leaning into the idea of internet culture and what the internet how the internet is going to react to things it really is what i think the the crux of the plot to captain america new world order the next captain america film that we're going to be getting i feel like that's going to focus a lot on the idea of you know how the internet perceives supers and and how this whole thing comes around and the idea of cancel culture and and how that is permeated through certain uh certain sub genres on the internet uh and i think this show is actually doing a very good job of teasing what that film will eventually focus on. 
Yeah, I, I, I can. I, I agree with both of you on that for sure. I think by this point we're at episode six now, and normally these um, fourth wall breaking moments are. They, they, she's used them twice before, I think, and or maybe three times before. But she, it, they're very much used as sort of, kind of like, uh, like a shortcut, if you will, to sort of just say like. Hey, like you watching, I know what you really want to see, but we're not going to do that. Um, but because I'm, you know, this is part of the fourth wall breaking thing, I'm able to, they're sort of able to get around it. And a, a part of me really likes that. Another part of me, by the fact that this is the sixth episode, I'm kind of just like, okay, uh, yep, uh huh, okay, cool. Like that's, I, I shouldn't have expected otherwise by this point, but at the same time, I'm still expecting otherwise, so um, I, I completely hear that. But I, I kind of I'm also hoping that they they do eventually sort of move past that. And I think obviously we'll, oh, I say obviously we'll get to that next episode. Who knows? Um, but uh, I did think it was a little weird though how Nikki just ignores Jen in this fourth wall breaking moment. Like they're they're clearly talking to each other, and then Jen just turns over to the camera, and Nikki's just like sitting there eating some peanuts or something. I don't know. It was kind of it was a little. It was kind of weird to see her not react to that moment. I don't know. Well, I mean, she walked beside the one guy for that, like, walking into her new job and was talking the entire time there, and no one noticed her question. No one noticed it there, right. I mean, I think that's just part of the fourth wall breaking is that it's just we're hearing her internal thoughts, but she's making eye contact while delivering it. I think the only person who's noticed one to this point in the series has been Bruce, right? Right. In the first episode. I don't think any of the other fourth wall breaks have been brought up to or brought up from or recognized by other characters in the show i do hope that eventually when we get a fourth wall break involving matt murdoch that he notices but it's because of his senses like that would be great that would be really cool that would be really cool yeah if he ever freaking decides to show up uh all right well let's keep going here after we learn that jen is going to be paired up with jonathan during the ceremony we cut to mallory and nikki sitting at a meeting with uh craig mr craig hollis uh, who asks to be called mr immortal they discuss the intricacies of his divorce cases uh case i think um he tells them how instead of having a conversation with his wife you know like a, a decent human being uh, he instead just kills himself to get out of his various relationships, uh, which, of course, you know, he's done many, many times. Uh, as the conversation starts to get a little bit confrontational, he just stands up and proceeds to do what he always does. He runs out and jumps out of the window. Of course, Mallory's office at GLK KNH is on like the 30th floor. So he plummets to his death, landing and crushing a security vehicle beneath him. Uh, and then he decides to just get up and there's no injury at all. Uh, so, guys, let's discuss Mr. Immortal here. What did you think of this character and how nuts is it that these types of characters are just walking around in the MCU now? Well. I gotta say, uh, as a uh, as a comic fan familiar with the Mister Immortal from there, gotta say this guy is foc- leaning heavily on the humor aspect of the character and not the tragically dark backstory that he actually has and how he got his powers. So, oh wow, uh, yeah, I mean he's an Avenger in the comics, uh, mm-hmm. but he ends up getting sued because he was using the Avengers name illegally. So it's just mm-hmm. that that's his kind of character in the comics. So I, I really enjoy the fact that we got to see a very a much lighter aspect and humor centric for uh, version of Mr. Immortal. Well, it's interesting you bring up the aspect that he was his name. Uh, he, he was getting sued. I mean, again, this show being about lawyers. But, um, you know, for those who are the eagle eyed fans watching this uh, show, the security vehicle that he lands on, uh, there's a QR code on it. 
And that's where you can grab this week's uh, comic book, free comic book that these live action Marvel shows are doing with West Coast Avengers 47, uh, in which Hawkeye discovers that the Avengers name is being used without permission, um, which I think feels like it ties in. Obviously, it ties in with this show. It feels like it tied in maybe a little bit more with the previous episode as well, with the whole She-Hulk by Titania thing or the... um, the Avengers merchandise. Um, but yeah, man, dude, freaking David Pasquizi, like the guy from Book of Boba Fett, Machaez's major domo. He's he's he does such a good job at playing these characters that you just want to strangle. Like you just want to like, but at the same time, you also kind of love them at the same time. And I will say his voice is so soft. I'd love to see him in a conversation with Owen Wilson's Mobius. Like both of them just like, oh yeah, oh. Oh, like they're just so like quiet and lovely. I don't know. I don't know. Mitch, what did you think of uh, Mr. Immortal? I thought the portrayal here was great. This actor basically plays the exact same character in Veep, which is (laughs) just hilarious to me. Yeah. And uh, again, this is, it's interesting what they're doing with this character because again, going back to his his comic book origin, in the comics, he's a mutant. So this is Mm. another instance of them using a mutant in the MCU, not explicitly calling it out, but... It's just more and more teasing what we're getting to. It's just normalizing mutants being there, right? Yes, that's what I've been right. saying this entire watch club, basically. Any <laughs> chance I get is that they're just trying to lay the uh, the seeds that mutants have been here since the beginning or before we even started tuning into the MCU. And only now, in the current era, are they starting to come forward. And I, I absolutely love it. So give me more mutant and teases, please. <laughs> Darcy, you were bringing up the idea in a previous watch club that maybe, maybe Hulks, uh, both Bruce and... Uh, Jen are mutants uh, in this universe, and, and that's what's going on. Yeah, interesting, yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah, I also hope another another thing with uh, with Mister Immortal in the comics is that bootleg Avengers team that he leads, the Great Lakes Avengers, features some other very well liked characters in the Marvel mythos, like Squirrel Girl, and it would be great to see characters that had been rumored for live action eventually get their say or their time of day in maybe a She-Hulk season two where Mr. Immortal is being sued by the Avengers for using their name with a team. I I would almost like almost love the fact that like the fact that they've already established the Avengers or the Avengers in this universe as like this knockoff stuff. Maybe, you know, he tries to kill himself one other time and then, you know, get out of another relationship, but then sees this Avengers merch for sale and then decides, you know what? I need to turn my life around. I'm going to start the Avengers. Uh, and that's how they can get around the legal trouble. That would be phenomenal if they found a way to bring that back. Uh, but let's, let's bring it back to this story here. Uh, back at the rehearsal dinner, Lulu pulls Jen aside to discuss her dating life or unfortunately lack thereof. And after getting distracted by her friend, all too seriously, by the way, asking her if she's team Edward or team Jacob, uh, Jen sees Titania uh, has arrived. After attempting to explain to Lulu that Titania's really only there to mess with her, Lulu says she sounds insane right now. Frustrated by this, Jen escapes to the patio where she proceeds to mow down on some candied nuts. Josh sits down next to her, uh, and the two start to hit it off. This this guy, Josh, comes over uh, until Lulu runs in and asks them to clean up the space as half the venue staff has left because of how she's quote-unquote treating them. Um, Okay, so let's obviously start with, I think, the biggest question from the section of this episode, something I know we've honestly been waiting to talk about on this podcast for a very long time, and that's, um, are you Team Edward or Team Jacob? 
This is the episode you invite me on for? Yes. Yeah, like, I don't. I don't want no part of this, man. I need to know. It's very important. Team, I don't care. I never watched those movies. I never ah. cared about those movies. So you're either, you're either team really old guy who preyed on a teenager or team wolf guy who <laughs> fell in love with a baby. There is no winning team. There's no winning team. He makes team. a great point. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, maybe not so much for, for Edward. I mean, I've I've only been able to see to watch, and by that I mean stomach watching uh the first movie of the Twilight saga, but uh, mostly for the actor, I would say. Maybe not so much Team Edward, but Team Robert Pattinson. You know, no, no shade to all the Shark Boy and Lava Girl fans out there in the world, but I think, I think, you know what? He's Batman, and he's become a really great actor. So I would, if 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 we were back in that day, and and Twilight was a thing that we were doing a watch club for, I think I'd be Team Team Edward. Oh, I'm Team Cedric because you know he did a great job oh, as Cedric at, uh, Diggory in Harry Potter. So. Can that, I just be right. Team Batman yeah. at this point? I'm, I'm going with just go. Team Batman. Like, we're spending team way Batman. too long on this. <laughs> Let's go. Team Batman. All right. Well, seriously, I, I actually wanted to discuss Josh here. Uh, this guy seems great for Jen initially. He's super nice. But but is he too nice? Do you guys think we need to be worried about this Josh character? Uh, 100%. For, yeah. uh, first off, I just feel like the way that he is basically checking all her boxes for what she wants in this partner that we at least mm-hmm. have seen in these dating episodes. I feel like... What, what if that dating sequence was just someone trying to profile her and find her perfect match to get someone close? I immediately Ooh. don't like the guy. And then the fact that his name is Josh just makes me jump to that comic connection of Josh Glenn. A, the current, Who's that? Uh, he is a modern version of a Captain America villain called Hatemonger, who's basically just a, a really racist, scum of the earth, bad dude. Oh, He's actually wow. a clone of Adolf Hitler. I think they might be taking it a different direction. I don't think this guy this looks movie. like Adolf, but yes. No, okay. no, but like just the fact that his name is Josh and I he seems so scummy and just is too good to be true. Oh, no, I want it to be true, though. <laughs> See, I, I think it harkens back to something we saw in an earlier episode where we did get the MCU's version of the Wrecking Crew and you had mm-hmm. one member who was wearing a mask. Now, why mm. do you wear a mask? It's to introduce him as the love interest in a later episode only to break Jen's heart when he ends up being a member of the Wrecking Crew, which is exactly where I think once we get to it, we'll talk about the end of the episode and what it foreshadows for the rest of this show and the MCU at large. But I think it Mm -hmm. is foreshadowing that plot of someone trying to steal her blood. And I think he, Josh, that is, has some part to play in that. Oh, man. I, I, you know what? Yeah, you're right. He's super sus. Like, I guess it's just hard for for us to trust any guy on this show that isn't Pug at this point. Like, if you're a male on this show, you hey, all, all of them don't, suck. Don't disrespect Ched in that way. Okay, like, sure, on. Ched, fine. But even Ched's like, <laughs> Ched's not the greatest, but I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, I just, well. I don't know. He means Yeah, well. I guess. Um, but yeah, Josh is just too charming. I feel like, yeah, you guys are right. He might be. He might have been planted into this situation, but more on that later. Back to the B plot. We uh, we come to see uh, back to see Mallory and Nikki with Mister Immortal and his nine divorcees. Nine divorcees, and these are only the ones that are alive. By the way, there's probably many many, many more people that he's done this to, uh, and they try to salvage the best possible outcome for this this douchebag and his nine exes. Uh, now, during the meeting, we hear that one of his exes. Uh, discovered his pattern of behavior when she saw a video on the Intelligentsia website. Um, Okay, so obviously I do want to discuss the Intelligentsia, but just like how this show 
keeps us waiting for a certain devilish lawyer. I'm going to actually have us hold off on that discussion just yet. I promise you we will get back to it, and we'll get back to it much sooner than this show uh, gets back to the things it teases. Um, but <laughs> let's keep going here. Am I a little salty this? I don't know. I'm it, you seem very salty. I'm trying not to delivered on all their teases up until this point. I feel like we can yeah. allow them one. <laughs> okay, I maybe, I guess. It, it, it had such a good joke to pay off at the beginning of the episode, too. It, it yeah. leaned into mm-hmm. the fact that you were mm-hmm. waiting and they're giving you blue balls for that, at least another yeah. week. That's why it's so good. Doesn't feel good. Uh, so <laughs> back at the wedding, Jen is given all the shirts of the groomsmen to iron uh, because they were playing Mario Kart and <laughs> got them wrinkled. Uh, as one of the bridesmaids puts it, video games are sports now. Uh, and then it happens. The moment we've all been waiting for. Jen is introduced to her bridal partner, Jonathan. As Lulu carries him out to meet her, we see that Jonathan is a very old but very brave chihuahua that had to be resuscitated earlier that day and might leak on her. Uh, So let's get into two things here. One, uh, Mr. Mitch George, are video games sports? And two, what do we think of Jonathan? If they're on ESPN, as I said in the episode, (laughs) then sure. Um, I've never really been an esports guy. Um, yeah, they, that is a thing that exists, and I know there are a lot mm-hmm. of people that like it and follow it and are very passionate about it. I'm not one of those people, but I am not mm-hmm. one to belittle things that other people are passionate about. So if if it's your sure. jam, you feel like it's sports, then sure, it's sports. It's yeah. a game. People are playing it. There's winners. There's losers. Sure. Yeah, I guess it. It kind of felt like it was a. It was a. a um, uh, it, it was happy to I was happy to see the esports representation, but at the same time, it really did feel like they were misrepresenting it <laughs> at the same time by calling it, you know, saying Mario Kart. Because um, I'll say this: as far as getting your clothes wrinkled while playing video games, unless it's AR, VR, or DDR, there's really no reason those guys' shirts should have gotten that wrinkled. Um, My shoulders but still hurt from getting that old Oculus out yesterday and doing it. A yeah. little bit of exercising for the first time. You were time doing a, a bit of time. beat saber in, right? Yeah, man. Um, but Darcy, what did you think of uh, of Jonathan and uh, and 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 you know this this little tongue <laughs> sticking uh, out? I just feel so bad for it. Like resuscitating an animal seems like so much more traumatizing and like <laughs> effort on such a little thing. I I don't yeah. know. I just feel bad for that. And just also, I you hate these women. Like this is like the first time in this series where you you hate the women and as well as yeah. the men that you see or yeah. stuff like that. So it's just it was very interesting for that take. I mean, everyone's getting drunk at this wedding. I was I was really hoping that uh, she would show up. That our beautiful goddess queen Madison would show up somehow at this wedding. I don't care how. I don't care if just for some reason you know she portaled in. I just was so hoping that she would be there to save the date, but. She was. She didn't show up. I don't think there's a timeline in this multiverse where Madison mm-hmm. is showing up and enjoying herself at a cash bar wedding. It's all. I'm oh, say. true. That's all I'm say. I mean, you know what's I think, up. Yeah. I think she could maybe find a way to borrow some. Di- she was handing, you know, she she was lending her drink to the to the guy at the in the courtroom and was like, "I'm not sick," so you know, I'm sure she'd she'd be fine with sharing some drinks. But um, I do want to shout out that I do hope that Jonathan gets his own character poster on Twitter. 
Uh, that needs to be a thing 100%. He's the most handsome little boy at the wedding with his little tongue. Um, but, you know, it's just funny because in a previous scene, Jen asks if she's like, do I not have a groomsman? And Lulu's like, do you think we want our wedding to look insane? And it's just funny to hear to see what Lulu thinks is a sane look for her wedding with this chihuahua in a, a tuxedo. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, and it only further cements the fact that Jen wasn't actually a part of the bridal party. She was just asked because Lulu felt obligated uh, to ask and is, you know, actually using Jen as someone just to do all the tasks that the, uh, none of the other bridesmaids want to do. But I got to ask a follow-up question here. Do you guys think there's anything more to that? Because um, it seems like Jen was kind of a last-minute addition to this group. Um, do you think that maybe something more is going on there that Lulu might involve be involved in? Or for for me, it doesn't feel malicious in that sense. It just feels kind of how do how do I put this? Lulu's it, just a mean high school friend. Not not even mean. It was more so mm-hmm. just like convenient. Mm, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, well, listen. Back at the divorce settlement, we see Mister Mortal. Uh, he proposes. That he splits up his apple shares and the gold left to him from Baroness Cromwell between his nine exes to pay for the settlement. Uh, we also get to see Chet at the wedding, who has now donned the name DJ in Chichichichetable Horn Noise. Um, oh, I wrote down Horn Noise. I meant to say this. It's also, it's also, he said, comes up DJ in Chetable Hulk. Thank you very much. Oh, it's true. Sorry. Right. I'm so sorry, Ched. <laughs> if you're listening, I apologize. Hopefully, you don't sue me for misuse of your. Uh, your label. Uh, <laughs> then Jen also sadly discovers uh, that it's not an open bar, but proceeds to get hammered and dance up a storm on the dance floor. Uh, back at the settlement, we see Nikki has sorted everything out by doing the one thing that no one was really doing, which is listening to these women and that one man uh, affected by Mr. Immortal's frivolities. Uh, they all come to an agreement, including an apology with, get this, 20 whole seconds of eye contact, which is just that's oh, what a tough thing. Oh, that to was have only to do. that one woman's wish. Everyone else had different things True. that they got. Essentially, True. That, only, yes. that woman just wanted an apology, and I loved it. That's all she wanted. Uh, eye so contact. props to eye contact. Eye contact. Mm-hmm. So props to Nikki for for you know being the MVP of this episode and absolutely killing it here. Uh, what did you guys think of Nikki's abilities here? And did you catch the Mister Immortal deep cut Marvel name drop in this? moment i love nikki's thing but now i'm just questioning the thing i know what what did i miss theories none of them had to do with mr immortal yeah Yeah. well nikki nikki is incredible here um i'll start off with that i think she's it's it's awesome to see that she you know everyone's she's working with mallory and mallory has kind of been established as like the best at the firm like if you want the best of the best you go with mallory book um and so to see Nikki's people skills go way further than anything Mallory could ever do is just awesome. And it just shows how clutch she is as a partner, not only at this firm, but also for Jen. Um, and so I just, I, I love it. I love how she's all, she's referring to every single one of them on an individual basis. She's written down all their stories to get all the facts straight. Um, and she's just making sure they're all happy. And, and I think she's awesome. She's she's dope. And little side note here, by the way, in this episode, you can see Nikki is wearing a small Filipino flag 
on her suit, um, which actor Ginger Gonzaga is doing here, most likely to represent the fact that she's half Filipino uh, on her father's side. So that's just a neat little thing to notice. I saw the flag and I'm like, what flag is that? I need to know. Um, but if you guys want to get into it here, there's a deep cut. And I heard this from Heavy Spoilers. So if uh, hopefully Heavy Spoilers YouTube has not screwed me on this um, because I know that Mr. Immortal has a different origin story uh, or backstory than what I'm about to lay down here. But he says that he was married to Baroness Cromwell. And according to Heavy Spoilers, um, there is a Lily Cromwell in the comics who's a vampire. And so... I'm wondering if maybe the, the, the backstory is sort of shifting a little bit and maybe he's a vampire. Like, it, it kind of makes sense given that he's, like, sort of sucking everything he can out of these relationships before it becomes too much. Uh, but I'm wondering if maybe that's where his immortality has come from, at least within this universe. I don't know. I just got the, uh, the sense that Cromwell is a very, like, well-known name throughout the ages. There are a lot right. of people have had Cromwell's last name, and I think that was just to almost hint at the fact that he's been around for centuries, like you alluded to earlier, where like these, these are the only exes of his that are alive still. Who knows how many he's had before then? Mm-hmm. So that I don't, I didn't get uh, any of that from it. Okay. All right. I, I wonder if this is going to be a tease that we get paid off for in any of the more supernatural properties that we're getting over the next few years, whether announced or, or unannounced. We know we're getting Werewolf by Night next month. Right. The Blade project has been announced. I'm assuming uh, Kit Harrington's Black Knight will pop up in something. Mm-hmm. Man Thing is teased in the Werewolf by Night trailer. So we're getting into this more spooky side of the MCU. And I think Lily Cromwell could be a, a great muse for an inevitable or eventual Elsa Bloodstone property, maybe. If we don't want to go right to Dracula, mm-hmm. you use... Um, you use a different vampire as kind of a stepping stone to get us to the the big bad at the end of the blood-filled brick road. <laughs> the blood-filled brick road. I don't, Mitch, I, love the, I, I don't know why my brain went there, but it did it. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's late. I'm tired. It's, it's beautiful in a scary sort of way. Um, I think it would be absolutely hilarious if there's this really dark... And like we're like, this is so dark. Wow, I can't believe Marvel's going there. This is so gory and it's the vampires and everything. And then David Pesquisi shows up as Mr. Immortal. And it's just like, what? Would be phenomenal. But maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, but back at the wedding, Jen and Josh, they finally get a moment to chat again as a very drunk Jen opens up to him. And he says that he thinks she's, she's pretty great. Uh, it's actually a really lovely moment until Jen has to run outside and puke all that uh, very not free alcohol uh, out of her system. And Titania approaches her and says, let it out, babe, uh, and then proceeds to punch the living hell out of her. Uh, Jen attempts to fight Titania as Jen uh, until a Titania convinces her to green up. Uh, and then the two proceed to fight it out on the dance floor. Uh, Electric Boogie starts to play as the two exchange blows, causing Titania to crash into a bartender holding some ice. She then gets super frustrated and runs towards Jen, but then she slips on that very ice, face-planting into the ground so hard, causing her mouth to get really busted up. She storms out with some of the wedding cake, uh, and then Lulu shows up in this moment, and we think Lulu's going to be really upset and, and mad at Jen. She's, she comes up to her. And then we realize she's super drunk. She gives Je- Jen a hug instead and is excited that she hulks at her wedding uh, while commenting 
on She-Hulk's huge boobs. Uh, so what did we think of Jen's connection to Josh here uh, and this showdown between Shulky and Titania? I love the drunken aspect of this, the way this, this fight starts of Jen seeing double, not able to hit Titania, trying mm-hmm. to Hulk up and, and, and seeing veins of what her cousin struggled with of trying to Hulk up and not being able to in oh, Infinity yeah. War, but here for very different reasons of she's just too drunk to remember how to do it. But mm-hmm. we then get that, that panda black. She comes back hundred percent greened out. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah. For a second, I totally thought that her feet were going to Hulk out, but just her feet. <laughs> like I thought she was just going to have big green feet uh, for, for a moment, but no, I, uh, I, I definitely am happy that she was able to, to, to green up. There's some corner of the internet that really wanted that exact thing to happen. Oh, grudge up, Mitch, come on. We're not talking about the intelligentsia yet, okay? Jeez. Okay. We'll get there. We'll, um, get there. <laughs> well, I think this fight was the reason why Jen was invited. I feel like Titania having a connection to this oh. per- Lulu in some way. She's just like, yo, just let me set stage this so that I can humiliate your friend who you happen to know. Titania seems like the type of person who would go to lengths like that to try and set up someone's failure. And then just the way it backfired was great. I do really like that idea that Titania would be the reason that maybe Jen did get that that last minute invite. Um, as far as that fight is concerned, I I, I do think that I, I would have liked it to be a bit bigger than it was. Um you know, unless there's another She-Hulk Titania fight, but then that might feel a little bit repetitive at this point. I don't know. I just I've I've I wanted to see She-Hulk defeat Titania, not the floor defeat Titania, which is exactly what happened. But I did enjoy when Titania is like calling out the people that are filming her and be like, you're going to post it for your 11 followers on Instagram. Like that's that's the thing that's going through her mind in that moment is just how little followers those people have. This fight does a really good job of emulating the relationship between Titania and She-Hulk from the comics where Jen really doesn't care about Mm. Titania, but Titania becomes almost obsessive over her getting the better of Jen in one way or another. And I think this, Mm -hmm. this fight does a very good job of that, of of Jen doesn't need to win because Titania is inevitably just going to defeat herself with her, the way she's obsessing over Jen and her behavior that that comes of it. So I don't, I, I thought it was great for that reason alone. Well, when you put it that way, Mitch, then it makes more sense. Jeez. <laughs> Don't change my mind. On. I can bring ah. some, some calm to the chaos. I love it. Um, I will say with Josh, we get another instance here of of a character wanting to see Jen's Hulk form. There's a brief moment where he's, you know, she says, like, you haven't even seen my beautiful She-Hulk hair or whatever. And then he's like, I'd love to. Uh, and it was just giving me those Todd feelings all over again. Um, and, you know, obviously... We're going to save those thoughts just a little bit, a little <laughs> bit longer, I think. Um, but yes, I, I, I do think that, um, you know, I, I will say shout out to the sound department, though, on that punch, because that I felt that punch like that felt like it really, really hurt. And I was like, that came out of nowhere. I actually jumped and spilt a little bit of my uh, my cereal. Uh, OK, so let's uh, let's get to this final sequence. There is one more scene. Um, that I want to talk about, but I am going to use it for our predictions segment, uh, which on this Watch Club we refer to as my closing statement, Your Honor, is. Um, so before we give our predictions or our thoughts on this next section, uh, we need to start with my closing statement, Your Honor, is. 
So I'll read the scene, and then, Mitch, you may approach the stand. Okay, so at the end of the episode, we cut back to Mallory and Nikki sharing a drink, celebrating closing the divorce case. And just as Nikki is learning more about Mallory, they discover a thumbnail on the Intelligentsia website that reads, Slutty She-Hulk, which I had to pause and be like, Wow, they're putting the word slutty on a Disney Plus show. Here we go. Amazing. Um, So they click on it, uh, and, you know, they're stopped by a prompt that asks them to sign up pending Hulk King's approval. Uh, I really love the Jurassic Park Dennis Nedry nod that we got here with the uh, uh, uh. Um, So obviously whoever the Hulk King is, he's a fan of Jurassic Park. Uh, Nikki immediately wants to tell Jen uh, as, as, you know, the posts show you know, death threats and, you know, how do we shoot She-Hulk and all this stuff. Um, But Mallory stops her. And then Nikki on the drive home, she immediately goes against Mallory's advice uh, and leaves a voicemail for Jen uh, explaining everything they found on the site. Jen, meanwhile, is on a date eating fries with Josh. As the camera backs out of the scene through a monitor live streaming the date, showing Jen's health and vitals. We then see a message from Hulk King asking, is the next phase of the plan ready to go? And we also see scientists walking by and opening up a case where they proceed to put a new extra strong needle inside of it. So what does this all mean? Can Josh be trusted? Who are the intelligentsia? And what do we think this giant needle means for the next three episodes? Your Honor, my closing statement is that Samuel Stern is the Hulk King, a.k.a. the leader, yeah. played by Tim Blake Nelson. Okay. It's happening. It has it's to. actually happen. At, at this point, I'm convinced. I, I had theorized when we first saw the Wrecking Crew and that they were reporting somebody that it could be the Intelligentsia because mm-hmm. of their ties to the origin of Red Hulk in the comics. I also mm-hmm. have a theory there, but since I only got one closing statement, you get this one. <laughs> <laughs> so with, with, with the intelligentsia being something that is now firmly a part of this series, I am absolutely convinced, especially after I'm disappointed we got the announcement at D23 of Tim Blake mm-hmm. Nelson returning to the MCU, because I think him appearing in this show as the leader, as his way of returning to the MCU prior to that film would have been absolutely perfect. And ties into what I said earlier about the themes here of internet culture and, you know, being mean and trolly on the internet will lend itself to the way that that plot unfolds, the plot of that film unfolds as well. Right, because I think, I think you know, unfortunately, the stupid real world that we live in, um, they need to address it in the MCU and... and, and they're addressing that culture, that subculture of trolls who are not only uh, sexist, but also oftentimes racist. And oftentimes the, those groups of people are the same people. And so with, a, with, with Captain America now being black, um, I think the internet of the MCU, unfortunately, is going to respond very similarly to how they responded to a female woman Hulk. Um, so you're very you're, you're you're hitting the nail right on the head there, Mitch. I think those are that is our our through point. That's our connection point. That's that's really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, you can have more than one statement because now I want to hear you your can. Red Hulk one. <laughs> yeah, let's let's go for okay. it. What, what so is that? The other thing lending itself to the the Sam Stern statement is that in that movie his alias was Mister Blue, and the only thing we see of this unfaced character in this episode is blue gloves. There's been a character that has been wearing red 
every time he has been on screen in this series. So the other statement I have, Your Honor, is that by the end of this, the intelligentsia will have created a Red Hulk, but it'll be Ched. Whoa, Ched? Ched is the, the Red Hulk? The Incheddable Hulk will exist by the end of this series in real huh. life. In his full out hulking form as kind of comedic relief around Red this whole Because we, we, we know they can't do the traditional Red Hulk unless they are to recast the role of, of Thunderbolt Ross. So right. why not? He shares the, they set it up in the first episode that, you know, familial ties lead to hulking out. So why not Ched? I, that's super interesting. I never thought of Ched as a possible choice yeah, I, like I love it. that i like i love it. that direction complete <laughs> yeah. di- complete diversions from the the origin stuff but i think it could be set up for a lot of, lot of cool stories and a lot of fun stories yeah. love it yeah justin was saying though that he the, he had a theory that that the red hulk was going to be introduced um as a way that maybe um thunderbolt ross was was dying uh the the character was dying uh, and that the Red Hulk was a way to keep the character alive in some way, and that there would be no going back to the human form as the Red Hulk, that he would just be the CG Red Hulk the entire time, still as Thunderbolt Ross. Um, and I, I thought that might have been a, an interesting way for them to go about you know, getting around the fact that, that William Hurt has passed away. Um, but yeah, that was kind of his two cents in there. But I do like the Chad theory. It, it, it could lead itself as well. I always thought that we were going to get some form of Red Hulk in the Thunderbolts film. And now see, having seen who the confirmed cast so far for that mm-hmm. film is, there's definitely a Hulk-sized hole that could be filled. And I think that if this is a character that's being introduced after, it's totally something they could have taken out of the the concept art or, or not talked about at D23 the way they talked about Thunderbolts. I totally feel like by the end of this, knowing that the intelligentsia has a hand in the origin of Red Hulk, that there will be at least a Red Hulk, whether it's Chad or someone else. Or Todd or Josh or, yeah, some of these people. And my theory was slightly different in that I thought that Val might become a Red She-Hulk type thing because they have gone the Red She-Hulk route with Betty Ross in the comics, but Val would almost be a marriage of the two, both like her father being the one trying to turn into Hulk to hunt a Hulk and then, you know, the just leader aspect that, or not leader aspect, the uh, the scientific pursuit that uh, Betty Ross had. So I think it'd be really cool. But that's I love I love all these theories. This is my favorite. This is my favorite episode so far in terms of theories. You are <laughs> a gold mine, my friend. Well, uh, Darcy, would you like to approach the stand? Uh, yes, but before I do, I just want to realize that we, whenever you make your predictions, you're addressing yourself because you're the honorable Nate. And then you're saying, Whoa. your honor, you're talking to yourself, man. I, I Maybe I'm just crazy. <laughs> maybe okay. I'm insane. Maybe it's a variant. That. Who knows? <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, I'm talking to a variant of myself. That's okay, okay. Well, my closing statement, your honor, is something I kind of already said earlier on, and that I feel like Josh Glenn is possibly this, the MCU version of the hate monger in that he does, in fact, have ties to the intelligentsia and, of course, the leader. I mean, that's kind of where everyone's mind went with this episode. I also got to say that even if that's a vibranium needle, uh, like that, I still don't think that's going to go through her skin. Hulks are damn near impenetrable. Right. You're going to have to try something. My closing statement, Your Honor, is that is a vibranium needle and that it'll take a Hulk to pierce the skin with that vibranium needle. 
Uh, and I think that's the strength that you need. And I think absolutely we'll get to see some type of Hulk, whether it be the Red Hulk or the Hulk King. Uh, I think we are going to get it. I do not think that we are going to see the leader uh, in this show. I think there will be a very much a, a hint or a reference to or maybe even a name drop uh, of Samuel Stearns, but there will not be him actually in uh, on screen. I think they're going to save that for the movie in 2024 with, with New World Order. Um, but I do think that um, Mallory is involved. I think her quickly coming up with the idea that it would mess with Jen's headspace is what she said doesn't hold up. We're talking about someone who doesn't want to uh, co- you know commit to being Jen's friend. Obviously she's warming up to Jen. Obviously she's warming up to Nikki especially in this episode. But it just doesn't seem like something that Mallory would necessarily care about that oh it's going to mess with Jen's head. Like I don't think she would really care about that if anything I think it would be the other way around where if she really was her friend she would want to tell her right away she would want to be on Nikki's side of this and not tell her to stop but I think she tells her to stop so quickly I'm like nah dude Mallory's got some sort of tie in this we already know that Todd is is you know her client so to speak Um, She obviously doesn't really like Todd, but at the same time, I feel like they might be in some sort of working relationship that's more of a a need to need to be basis. And uh, and yeah, I think Todd, her, Josh, all these people are going to be involved with the leader in some way through the intelligentsia. Um, But uh, but yeah, that is that's kind of where I'm leaning towards. Otherwise, everything else you guys said, I already also had a little bit of that written down as well. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man. Uh, any other any other thoughts before we we move on here? No, not really. I think we I think we covered all the bases again. We got it. Mr. Mitch George is a goldmine for these theories, and I love it. My brain goes to weird places, so I'm very much looking forward to all of this being proven wrong in the next three weeks. Oh yeah, yeah it's the best part about this stuff is is all our theories being completely and wildly wrong. Yeah, Although Mitch I George did is... call the intelligentsia back in like episode two or three when the wrecking crew showed up. Oh, so who knows? There you go. There you go. Mitch George is already uploading images of She-Hulk's feet online. If you want to go see those, I'm all uh, over yeah. Intelligentsia with can, those foot pics. You, no you can go. You can go find <laughs> oh, them. God. Um, all right. Well, listen. It's about time we give our overall impressions of the episode and our final score, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five Titania teeth. Mitch, go ahead. This continued to have everything I want out of this show. It it built on the relationship between She-Hulk and Titania in a fun way. And you gotta have a, a filler wedding episode when it comes to these sort of sitcom shows. So for me, it's a it's a five out of five Titania teeth. I thought this was Woo. great. All righty, you knocked out her whole top row of teeth. That was the plan. Jeez. Mitch is just Mitch is the floor at this point. Also, how, how, I... how is she super powered yet she's losing her teeth that easily? They're veneers, what? so they're they're not part oh, of her original okay. body. That would do it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's she's not Hulk strong. I feel like you, you can be you know even Captain America could lose a tooth to a Hulk punch. So like, yeah, that's true. That's but true. she didn't lose it to a Hulk punch. She lost it to the floor. Wait, what if the floor is super powered? I right. What if right. the floor is Red Hulk? Whoa! Maybe, what if her teeth? Or maybe her her strength doesn't <laughs> extend to her gums. You know, I, I'm allowing that. All right, fine, fine. Darcy, what are your final thoughts on this? Episode? Uh, I 
Uh, very similar to, uh, to Mr. Mitch George. I loved everything. This episode's continuing to deliver on its humor and the messages it's it's trying to present and setting up these themes for potentially bigger events, but in a very lighthearted way. And I love everything about that. Uh, again, the the one disappointment is, like you said, Nate, I, I wish there was more of a fight to that fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny. It was great. And the moments that happened worked. I just they were, wish there was more moments to it. Uh, again, I, I also love the fact that they're setting up some some potential villains that are bigger than what we can potentially think. So I, I love that. Uh, still could do do some room for improvement. I mean, deliver on on a, a thing. I mean, not getting Daredevil was a bit of a bummer. So mm-hmm. I am going to factor that into my score and give it mm-hmm. a 4.7 out of 5 Titania Teeth. Okay. If we get Daredevil next episode, then maybe this one will come back up a bit. <laughs> You'll be all the way. Um, I think I'm at... A very similar place that I was at last week. But after this conversation, you guys have brought me up a little bit. I I was really expecting that we would see Matt Murdock in this episode, as was, I'm sure, a lot of people. And that Battle of Titania, you're absolutely right, Darcy. I I just wish it had a little more to it than it did. That being said, it makes complete sense with this show that so far, you know, it's been so averse to sticking to the normal MCU styles that it would tease us last week and then throw in a wedding episode because weddings are usually at inconvenient times, as Jen puts it. Uh, The comedy worked for me in this episode um, quite a bit. Uh, I think just as much as last week, or if not not better. Uh, And this bigger tease at the end, it has me just as excited to see if they'll finally move this story forward uh, with actually giving us more of an antagonist in the next three episodes. I'm enjoying the ride each week, but honestly, um, it it does feel like a refreshing change, I I guess. But I also feel like the fact that the show is doing the thing again where we we use the the fourth wall breaking to poke fun at the fact that we aren't going to move the story forward is starting to lose its charm for me just a little bit. Uh, I really want to see where this is all going, and I'm, I'm not sure we needed this many episodes to get us there. I, I think, you know, if we look at other examples of Marvel shows that have done this narratively, WandaVision got us there in four episodes. Moon Knight got us there in four episodes. Um, and I know that they those were, you know, I, I think Moon Knight was a shorter season, but Wanda Knight, Wanda, Wanda Knight, WandaVision. <laughs> that, was, now that's a show I'd watch. There, that would be a dope <laughs> show. WandaVision, uh, you know, had a, a, a decent amount of episodes and, and yet they were still able to get there by episode four. So I think that I just think the, the narrative pacing, I think, could be a, a little bit better for me personally. Uh, hopefully we get this big reveal on episode seven. Um, that you know, for what we've been waiting for. Uh, that said, I'm real. I'm still really enjoying my time with this series, so I am gonna give this episode four out of five Titania teeth. I was at a three point five, but you two, you two jokesters over here laughing it up and b- making sense of, of of why the fight was the way it was, and uh, you guys brought me back up. So I appreciate you for that. Um, but that is it for this week's episode of Watch Club for Marvel's She-Hulk Attorney at Law. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts, if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, let me Hulk slap you over or Hulk. I'm going to Hulk dance you over to Darcy okay. to let you know how you can reach us. Good. I'm not getting slapped. I'm like everybody else. Uh, <laughs> well, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or if that's too much like getting your veneers knocked out, then you can reach us at, on Instagram at WeAreGeekcentric or on Twitter at GeekcentricYT. 
Nailed it. Nailed it, bro. You did it. Got um, it in one. Got it in one. Uh, Mitch, can you also let our lovely Hulk wedding guests know how they can stay in touch with yourself? The best place to keep up with me is Twitter, where I'm at Mr. Mitch George. I host a weekly and bi-weekly, so we put out like one to two episodes a week, uh, Disney Plus podcast, all about the cool stuff that's coming to the that their Disney Plus streaming service. Uh, so you can find that on YouTube at D Plus Us. The show is called D Plus Us on whichever podcast service you choose to peruse. That's it. D plus us. We'll have links uh, in our episode's description here for sure. Please go give them a lot of love. Go subscribe. They put a lot into their episodes. Uh, and you guys are talking about She-Hulk as well over there, right? She-Hulk Weekly. We're going to do Andor, uh, but I think we're going to do it in three episode chunks. So expect an episode probably sometime next week on the first three episodes. Then three weeks from now, we'll do episodes four through six etc etc and then every other week we try to put out an episode with a guest where they can they come on and we pick something to watch um we talk about it for a couple hours i think our next episode that we're going to be putting out is uh in in line with the fact that we were doing uh high school musical the musical the series season three weekly (laughs) as that was dropping which was phenomenal uh but i think we're jumping into camp rock with our next bi-weekly episode so that'll be uh that'll be a hoot because i've never seen it so there you go enjoy enjoy absolutely (laughs) well um yeah for for all the camp rock fans uh definitely check that out and yeah good call on the uh three episodes at a time with andor uh that's exactly what we're also doing here on our our side doing doing multiple weekly shows is uh it's not a lot not easy no, it's a lot. I hear you. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, just in those in that in that line, uh, keep in mind, we have a ton of other episodes here covering the latest and greatest shows and movies out now, as well as a ton of interviews right now. We have uh, we have interviews with the cast of Andor, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, Adri Arjona, Denise Goff and Kyle Soler, uh, where we discuss their characters in the show and why they aren't all good or all bad. Um, I have some really good giggly times with Denise and Kyle where they laugh at all, <laughs> all the lights in my room. So definitely to go to youtube.com slash geekcentric to watch that uh, that episode and, and check out their reaction because they... <laughs> It's it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, we have a good time. Uh, I, I also <laughs> recently sat down and had a great time with Mater himself, Daniel Whitney, aka Larry the Cable Guy. Uh, we sat down to talk about Mater and his time as Mater, as well as Cars on the Road. Uh, which, if you haven't watched Cars on the Road, Mitch, did you watch Cars on the Road? Finished it two nights ago in it's anticipation so, of my upcoming so Disneyland trip. And my God, is that a fun time! It's so good. It's so, so good. good. So good. Um, we also have our interview with Pinocchio's composer Alan Silvestri and songwriter Glenn Ballard. And we have an interview with Barbarian director Zach Krager. And we also have an interview, well, it felt like a little while ago, but we also have an interview with She-Hulk uh, lead writer Jessica Gao and She-Hulk director Kat Koiro. So go check those interviews out both here again on podcast services and on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. And, you know, we already kind of talked about it here. We also have a spoiler-free review out now for Andor if you haven't seen the episodes yet. But if you have seen it, our first Watch Club episode is out now where we break down and share our thoughts and theories on all three episodes uh, that are out now on Disney+. Plus. So go join yet another Watch Club and give those episodes a listen and a five-star review if you don't mind. Mitch Darcy, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say... Hulk smash. smash.